Good morning. Thank you. Uh, before we look into God's Word, I do want to take a moment to um, thank the church for their uh, generous, gra gracious welcoming of Linda and I into this church and into your community. Um, the home that we're able to move into uh, has been uh, wonderfully appointed. Um, whoever cleaned it is a saint um, because it is that clean. Um, we have enjoyed being there and making it our home. We have, I have, I don't know if my wife does, but I have one small complaint. It's the bed. It is so comfortable I am finding it increasingly difficult to get out of it in the morning. I was very fortunate to get out today. I just, it was it's just a nice place to sleep and to stay. So whoever provided the bed, thank you very much. Uh, is a great gift to us. So we are thrilled to be here. Um, over the next couple of weeks, you'll hear about the ministry that I represent and Interim Pastoral Ministries and what we um, are here to do. Uh, my purpose is really twofold. One is to, uh, to the point that you will allow me to be your shepherd, to bring to you the word of God, um, and to minister unto your needs uh, when, you, when you have them. Uh, we are available here for you to uh, fill in for a period of time that role of pastor. And uh, we hope that you will avail yourself of it, that uh, we will have a good time together in studying God's Word and getting to know each other, to uh, praying with you. Uh, you will see me from time to time joining in your meetings and your Sunday school classes. I'm not there to grade you, okay? So just do what you do, and I'm just there to, to watch. The other part of my ministry here is to help you to help the church here move from uh, one pastor to the next, to work through this transition period, to uh, see where we are as a church, who we are as Bethesda, and what does God have for us in the future. And knowing those things, be able to sit down and um, to work together toward getting that next shepherd. So thank you for letting us be here with you to minister to you through these days. And um, thank you for your graciousness. And I thank those that are home uh, watching this. Um, I hope you will feel always that you are welcome here, that this is your church, even though you're separated for a little bit, this is your, still your body. And we consider you part of this church, uh, even though you're separated, sitting on your comfy couches in your pajamas. Um, but um, we maybe envy you a little bit for that. Let's take a moment, or uh, some moments, to look into God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, I invite you to grab a hold of it. Um, if it comes in a hardback, softback form, or you take out your phone, or whatever device you use, and open it up to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we're just going to look at the first couple of verses today. As a greeting, as I brought you a greeting, Paul brings a greeting to the church of Ephesus. Uh, this is a letter that's a little different for Paul. Lots of times Paul uses his letters to admonish the church. There are problems involved in a certain church, and he wants to set the doctrine straight. 
But in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, more than setting anybody straight, Paul wants the church to know how unique they are, how called they are, how blessed they are of God. And so for the next few weeks, as we walk through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, my goal and my hope is that we will see as the church here how blessed we are, how God has touched you, how God has called you uh, to this community and to this world to uh, represent well um, the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ. Years ago, uh, my father-in-law told me a story. And uh, my father-in-law was a fundraiser for many uh, Christian organizations, uh, helping them to uh, raise the monies that they need to support uh, their ministries. And in that pro- process, help people with their, um, with their estates, with their getting things ready for their families uh, when the time should come. And he told me the story once when uh, he was working for, um, I believe it was uh, Westmont College, Christian College in, in California. And he went to visit a widow. And he sat across the coffee table from her and he wanted to help her with her next steps of being able to be financially secure uh, in this life that had changed for her. And so um, she sat down over this, they sat down on either side of this coffee table, enjoying coffee together. And uh, my father-in-law, Gordon, said, um, tell me what you have. And she said, I really don't have anything. We, we have this home. And he said, um, is your home paid for? And she said, yeah, it's paid for. And he said, he marks that down on a little piece of paper home is paid for. She was worried about how she was going to make it from one step to the other, and he was there to help her to see what she had to offer, or what was being offered to her. He said, would you happen to know if you have some stocks? And she said, yes, I do. And she opened up a folder, and she showed him the stocks. And he turned to her and said, do you happen to have a copy of today's newspaper? He opened up to the Financial Times and he looked at the stocks and just went to the financial paper to look at those stocks. And he put the stocks and the paper down on the table. She go, he goes, do you have any other assets? She goes, well, like I said, my house is paid for. Uh, years ago, my husband built it with the lumber from his own lumber yard. So he thought, lumber yard. And if I remember the story correctly, she said, well, I have, we have one more asset. We have a set of apartments that we own. He wrote down a set of apartments. So he said, just a moment, and he figures this all out. He begins to add and write on this little piece of paper, and he figures out what the stocks are worth and what the home is possibly worth and the business possibly worth and totaled it all up and slid it across the table to her. Very hesitantly, she picked up the piece of paper. And I don't remember the exact figure, but it was in the millions that she had available to her. The millions. And my father-in-law said, you could just see her countenance change. She sat up a little bit straighter. She looked him in the eye and said, 
I'm a millionaire. And it changed her life. When we look at God's Word, especially in this book of Ephesians, we're going to find out that we are millionaires in Christ Jesus. And when we understand who we are in Jesus, it should make us sit up a little taller. It should put a smile across our face even in difficult times. It should put a spring in our step because we belong to Jesus and all that Jesus has is ours. So tells the scripture. So my hope and my prayer is that in the next few weeks we will see who we are in Jesus Christ. And that that would help us to stand up a little straighter. Help us to proclaim a little louder about Jesus and about who we are in him. So let's take a moment and just look at these verses in Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's back up a little bit, take a look at some of the things that we learn from just these first two verses. We learn that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul, one who was the Apostle not of just anybody, but he was the Apostle of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, as we sang about this morning. Jesus, who rose from the dead triumphant. Jesus, who anointed his followers for, was that a flash? Because I have a better side. I thought someone was taking taking a picture. Don't get this side. Get this side over here if you're going to take a picture. Okay, and if it comes out really good, I want copies. So, um, no. <laughs> so he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, one who had died and rose again, one who had anointed his church and anoints Paul as well. He says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. We talk about uh, Pastor Rick today told us that we are, that Anthony and I have been called to ministry. Somewhere back in our history, we heard from God very clearly, I want you to serve my church as a pastor. We may have fought that. We may have pushed it aside. But God's call was upon our lives to do something for his kingdom that in some ways is unique. It's different We are called to shepherd the flock. Here we read that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, if you remember anything about Paul, back in Acts chapter 9, Paul was on the road to Damascus to find as many Christians as possible and put them in chains and take them off for judgment in the city of Jerusalem. Paul was against the church. He was against Jesus. He was against the followers of Jesus. 
But on the road to Damascus, Paul uh, was hit with a blinding light, and Jesus appeared to him, and Jesus says, why do you persecute me, Paul? Why, why are you fighting against me? Paul's response is, who are you, Lord? Who are you? What is going on here? Jesus responded, I am Jesus, the one you have persecuted. And Paul's life is forever changed as he walks blinded into the city of Damascus. He is met there by a follower of Jesus Christ who prays for him, and his blindness is removed. And he stays in that town for a while, learning what it is. He becomes becomes baptized. God turns him from a man who was against the church to a man who was for the church and whom God will use to set up churches all throughout Asia Minor, into Greece, finally into Rome. God had a special mark on the Apostle Paul, that he was Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I believe that each one of us who come to faith in Jesus Christ have been called by him. He has said our name. He has placed us aside for his work. And it's not by our choice. It's by the choice of God. It's by his will. God loves you so much that he called you to himself. That's good news. That could elicit an amen. I don't know if the Mennonite brethren say amen, Except after the resting for the meal, we all say amen. But it's okay to say amen. Yeah, that too will work. That you have been called and touched by God. His will is for you to be saved and to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the desire of his heart. The scriptures tell us that heaven rejoices when one comes to know Jesus. And my prayer is that through the next months we will just know how special it is, how unique it is, how powerful it is to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I would speak to anyone here who is yet to answer God's call to follow Jesus, that you would consider that call, that you would respond to the will of God, You would seek to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul says what happens to those who trust in Jesus. He says to God's holy people. Holy people. You and I are a holy people. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'll raise mine. How many of you feel very holy? Hmm. Yeah, just what I thought. Not many hands raised. You know, when I looked in the mirror this morning, I didn't look at me and said, man, you are one holy guy. You follow Jesus lockstep. 
You do all the things that you are supposed to do. You never sin. You never think evil of a person. You never have a word of gossip. You never lust or hoard. Now, it's hard to believe that this being a holy people applies to us. But what is taking place here is not so much our moral standing, but being called out to be set apart. When something was holy, it was set apart for a special work. The, the uh, tools and the basins and the uh, utensils in the temple were called holy. Not because they were morally right, but because they were set aside for a special use in the temple and they weren't to be used anywhere else. God has set aside us in Christ Jesus to be a holy people. Now that doesn't mean that we can be immoral. I'm not giving you license to do that. You can't say, Pastor Randy said, my holiness is only being set apart so I can do whatever I want after that. No. We are called to be morally pure. We are called to live like Jesus. We are called to be created and to bear well the image of God. But we are a set-apart people. Now Paul says these set-apart people to whom he was specifically writing are a people or a church in Ephesus. You can read for yourself in Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 20 about Paul coming to Ephesus. Ephesus was a great city situated on the coast of Asia Minor, today's Turkey. It was a city of great commerce, a city of great wealth, a city that hosted all sorts of statues to various gods, the chief one being Artemis. Or, if you're a Roman, you would know that god by the name Diana. Artemis, Diana, was the god of, and I have a hard time putting this together. See if you can follow any of this one. She's the god of animals and the god of the hunt. Now, if I think I had a god, if I was an animal and I would have a god who is caring for me, I wouldn't want her to be the god of the hunt either because the hunt puts me on the wrong side of the arrow, right? But she is the god of the hunt. She is the god of the animals and some would even say she's the god of fertility and she was the great god to be worshipped in Ephesus. And if you read through the story of Acts, and I encourage you to do that, um, we read that there became a problem a tension between the Apostle Paul and what he was teaching and the young church there and those who served the guard of Artemis or Diana. And it doesn't go well for the Apostle Paul. But the church grows. The church is unique and special. The churches we read here are faithful in Christ Jesus. They don't waver back and forth. They have their minds and their hearts set on Jesus and they're going to follow him and serve him, not the God of the past, not of the God of their ancestors, but Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul, over a period of time, will spend um, upwards to three years in Ephesus planting this church, loving this church, caring for this church. And Linda, my desire is over the next months, however long this process takes, is to love you, to serve you, to see you grow in Jesus Christ, to see you remain faithful. We feel very much, Linda and I feel very much loved on already, and we've only been here since Wednesday. And we'd like to return that to you as well. The faithful in Christ Jesus that remain in him. Apostle Paul in verse 2 goes on to say, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard somebody once say, a Bible teacher of mine, that grace always comes before peace. That God has to offer to us his grace, his favor, his gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who paid the price for our sins. He offers us that grace. We receive that grace, that undue favor. And because of that, we have peace. We have peace with God, as they say in Philippians, and we have the peace of God. Peace is yours because of Jesus' work upon the cross. And God offers that grace and that peace to us. That grace brings peace from God. And then Paul goes to explain God a little farther. He says, he is our Father and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. God being our Father talks about relationship. That God is not just a God who sits on a throne somewhere far removed from us, but he is our Father. Jesus says we can call him our, our Dad, our Abba. We have relationship with God. The people of Ephesus did not have relationship with Diana. She didn't come down and hold them and care for them. They worshiped with fear. We have an opportunity to come before our Heavenly Father, to be enfolded in His arms, to be loved on by Him. And he is also the Lord, Jesus Christ. Not only do we have relationship with God, but we have responsibility. When someone is your Lord, he is over you. We are to serve Jesus. We have a relationship and a responsibility. So what do we remember? What do we take home with us? What do we do to live through on the street this week? Let us remember this. That God is crazy in love with you. He has his eye upon you. He has his heart Turn toward you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
When you walk this week, when you live this week, when you eat this week, when you serve this week, when you converse with one another this week, when you pray this week, hold your head a little bit higher. Stand a little bit straighter because you are loved by the creator of the universe. You are loved by Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose triumphant for your justification. Let's remember the love of God this week and how much he desperately loves you. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda. M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.